Hello and welcome to Progslog, where we go through 2080 issue by issue. I'm Michael. And I'm Craig. And today we are looking at Prog 2351, which is a jumping on issue, really. Yeah, it's uh, like, if you've never read Toucan before, here's a place to start. Yeah, which is probably where we should have started the podcast, if we were planning it. Yeah! But, as I said in the first episode, the best place to start with 2080 is just wherever you... I think we got a good episode out of that first one and we covered a lot of good topics. And it will also be relevant to the stories in the Jumping On issue. Yes. So, you want to do the cover first? Yeah, so the the most notable thing about the cover... Well, before we get into the most notable thing about it, let's look up who did it. The cover art is by John McCree? McCree. John McCree, I would say. John McCree, or or McCrea. McCry. As always, write in and correct us. Please, for the love of God. We've only seen these things written down. Yeah. The cover is an image of long-standing character in Judge Dredd who isn't about very much anymore, Walter the Woobot. Walter the Woobot. Who is a TV-faced robot, and the fact that he's a TV-faced robot has been used to great effect by John, whatever your name is, uh, by having Robo Hunter posed in the Z space. So from our perspective, we are Robo Hunter aiming a gun at Walter, but his TV face is reflecting the fact that it's Robo Hunter at the viewer, so yeah. that we can see who it is. And then behind that, Judge Dredd is bearing down on Walter with his, uh, what do they call it, a nightstick? Nightstick. Might, might go for a truncheon. Day stick? British. Yeah, we are British. Walloper. It is very covered in blood. Is that Robo Hunter's blood? Because it's dripping on Robo. It's, it's dripping on Walter as well. I so think like... the, the, the drip on Walter is a uh, different colour, so I think that's supposed to be motor oil. He's sweating. He's, he's... It might be sweat. Yeah, yeah, he's robot sweating. So, do you like it? I like it. Uh, I like covers that have white backgrounds. That's a particular interest of mine, specifically for 2000 AD, because it, it makes everything pop. Mm. And, um, yeah. It's certainly, it's certainly very readable. It's a, it's a very, like, um, good cover for, like... Well, was... Lapsed readers, because you've got two classic 2080 characters on the cover. Well, do you think it's a good cover for lapsed readers because it's got specifically Rubo Hunter on it? Yes, no. Rubo Hunter is one of those characters, I guess we'll get into it, because Rubo mm. Hunter does appear in this this prog. It is not a line cover, which I think is something we should have as a feature. Oh, yeah. Is this cover a line cover? Because the last one kind of was, because there were, there were characters that we didn't recognise from the inside of the cover. Didn't recognise, and also they didn't meet up. And, yeah. yeah. But, anyway, what I was saying was, Robo Hunter is one of these characters who, like, must have been big in the 80s or something, because mm-hmm. I only ever see him pop up for, like, special guest appearance stories. I, I have no connection to him at all. Like, I've seen him in progs, like, I've gotten previous old progs, and I've flipped through, and I've seen that he's there. He has an e-cigarette. He does. Who is a robot guy. A little, um, little companion. His, a wise-cracking stogie or whatever. His name is Stogie, yeah. He's got two robots, one of whom is a frog guy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Stogie and Hoagie. Stogie. So he seems, correct us if I'm wrong, he seems like a gag character. I always thought so, yeah. yeah. But we'll get to it when we get to we'll it. Get but to like, it. I imagine for the over 40s in the audience, seeing him on the cover is a plus. Do you think that 2000 AD should be doing things specifically to reach out to their over 40s audience? I, no. <laughs> I think that's their base, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think their over 40s audience not, it doesn't necessarily need to be pandered to, but like, it is a sizable chunk of who is buying the comic. On the whole, I would say they do need to skew younger into the teens, into a more like, maybe this is heresy, but manga demographic. 
Uh, I think that they could do that. I don't think that it necessarily needs to be manga they, they, they go after. I think it could got... be. There's a lot of sci-fi stuff in manga and anime. Well, it's it's specifically the art style yeah. and like the language of manga because that's what the teens are into. Yeah, And they've got their over 40 demographic with all of the crusty old men stuff that they print. And they've got their regens that are going after the youth. We mentioned this before we started recording and I should have held off on it. But I'll say what I said before, which is that this cover from... Interesting idea perspective is excellent. This uh, use of Walter as a reflective surface and the fact that the, the, the action of the cover comes out into what they call Z space, where mm. like the space like behind the reader is part of the, the, the scene. It's meta. It's, it's, it's very good. I've not seen that done very often. Uh, I think that John, John McCree has done very well there. But I don't really like his take on like Dredd's face. I like it. It's all crumpled. He's all he's all like yeah, fascistly angry. Uh, I would say that like it definitely works. It's not necessarily like a piece of artwork I would hang on a wall. Mm. The we should go before we move on to the the command module. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the most notable thing about the cover, and that is the price increase. Oh yes, you're quite right. Because we've talked a lot about the actual cover, but the main event is the small. 10p increase. It's 10p more expensive this week to get 2080 than it was last week. And this happens. This is a tactic they employ. They have a special that's like a fiver, mm-hmm. and then every time that happens, I'm dreading it because like, dreading oh, it. dreading it. I know. I was very happy with that. Dreading it because like the next week is it going to be more money to buy two card every week? And in this case, yes. Do you have any hot takes about the 10p increase? Um. Not really. Tharg does. Tharg does. I partic- I have a I have a take. It's not particularly hot. It's it's Let, let's it's hear it. Anyway. There's nothing particular. Like, I don't want comics to rise in price. No. I think the comics should be cheap. I would like everything to be free, so mm-hmm. I could have it all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Everything should be free, but at the same time, I do respect that you know artists and everything writers need to be paid. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, Wait, it's I, a, actually, if I'm being serious, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's a commercial venture. Like, and I understand that everything's gone up, and there is a paper shortage. Right? People keep telling me that there, there was a paper shortage. Mm-hmm. So like. There are real world factors in it. Also, just inflation has been crazy. I think Tharg calls that. Yeah. But there is a problem because, what is it? It's £3.60 now. £3.60. £3.60 for your comic. Um, That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like 10p more expensive than getting a meal deal. It is less expensive than getting an issue of Superman. Yes. That's a whole other, like, kettle of fish where we could talk about American comics. It's a four pound. I, I think that's I think that's important because mm. like if you're comparing 2000 AD, which has in this case four different stories in it, to like American comics, which is like one story, maybe it's longer, but also there's a lot of adverts in those. There are well, there, well, there's adverts in them for other comics. Yeah. Yes, um, this is cheaper than buying Superman, and I think that's damning because Superman should be the cheapest comic you can buy. On we the won't shelf. get too far. No, into that, but. but yes. But as a, as, a, as a plus point for Toucan, you are getting more bang for your buck. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it being £3.60. It's just when you start to push up against the £4 mark, mm-hmm. I find that to be a problem because it's maybe it's just a psychological thing. It absolutely is a psychological thing because mm-hmm. if I think of something as being around £3, yeah. psychologically that's nothing. Yeah. Uh, if I think of something as being around £5, yeah. that starts to be something. I mean, it's like £5 for your Superman. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Cause, and you're not getting the bang for the buck and, and you're not getting this, the density that you would say get in a 2CAD. Yeah. But like, I, I remember the days when you could get like five comics for a tenner. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't necessarily that long ago. No. And I, I, I do respect... Although the, I have things to say about how long ago things were. Yes, yeah. But 
it's something to be watchful of because it's like if this happens again like when will this happen again i'm pretty sure that the price has gone up maybe once in the time that i've been reading it since i jumped back on uh, to toucan and it, it was like another 10p increase mm -hmm. there was a there was a point like within the last two years where like toucan was staggeringly cheaper than a normal american comic by like 20 30p or whatever and, and it felt like you were getting much much more for you yeah. but that that is a dwindling thing if the price is going to keep increasing also I checked how many pages were in this issue. Oh, there's only four stories. There's only four stories, and I was like, oh, normally I wouldn't check, but the price increase and the fact that there was only four stories was like, oh, they actually have the cut pages. They've not. Good. By my counting. It's, it's, it's 32, including the cover and the back cover. I would suspect that they've probably done four stories because they have more pages overall per story, given how many of these are new stories. They're introductory they, stories. They, they all are, aren't they? Yeah, well, the, the RoboHunter thing is like a one-off. Yeah, it definitely feels like a one-off. But we'll, we'll get into it when we hit the, the extra things, but yes, they are. And that's fine. I would say, if the I'm maybe getting into it before I was meant, meaning to, but I would say that if this prog has a theme, then it's like, gone or not forgotten, mm -hmm. gone but not forgotten, or it's, hey, remember this? Remember this, kids? Yeah. Kids in your 40s, well, remember it's not, this? It's not necessarily remember this, kids. Yeah. But like, everything is, uh, I'll point it out as we go mm -hmm. why I was thinking that. But let's go to the nerve center. Uh, so I've actually got something to say about what Tharg's saying this time, mm -hmm. because he's talking about, like, the usual stuff. Oh, last week was the Battle Action Merger. Now we're getting back to the normal stuff. Uh, we've got Judge Dredd, Feral and Foe, Helium, and uh, Robohunter in the comic. He says, Tharg says, yeah. that uh, Helium's in this issue. And I was like, oh yeah, Helium, I, re I read that. And he's like, returning after its incredible eight-year absence. <laughs> and I just crumbled to dust. Because I'm so old. Oh, that like I, I I was reading Helium, and it, I just in my mind it was just like, oh yeah, that's a thing that I read the last thing of. I didn't really internalize that it was eight years ago. We are at a dangerous point in the decade where like eight years ago is 2015. Yeah, and it, it 2015 doesn't feel like long ago at it's, all. It's starting to though because like it's before 2016. Importantly, when when everything changed, the death of David Bowie. Yes. <laughs> It is indeed. But also, you know, that's when the first modern Star Wars film came out. And I, I still feel like we're sort of in that, that cycle. Was that Force Awakens? Force Awakens was, the, like, December of uh, 2015. So much has happened since then. Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, like, a million things a month well, then, it, since then. It, it, but also, like, I'm starting to, to get to the point where I'm like, so much has happened since then. But also, it does feel like it just was five minutes ago. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I think of Force Awakens yeah. as a recent film. Yeah, exactly. And young people will be like rolling their eyes at that, but like, well, they absolutely should be because we're incredibly old. I didn't know about helium before maybe last issue when they were calling out that it was coming back, so I didn't have this same reaction that you did to Tharg. But I do have that reaction to things on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, he also says that they're increasing the uh, the the price by ten p. Um, but take a good look at the uh, at the offer subscribers get and tell me you don't get maximum bang for your groats. So presumably mm -hmm. they're they're doing something with the subscriptions. Well, there's a wee ad for it in the little ad box in the, the command module. It, it says, right. I think you're getting the kiss my axe pin that I called out that may have been cut from last issue. Which is a, a slain thing. A slain thing. But slain, of course, no longer running. No, they, it's they done. had the last 
issue of that ever. I really enjoyed that last run, mainly because Slain threw javelins with his feet. And called it out as being like a thing that people did. A special attack we, of the Celt. We, we asked a friend that we have who knows about like historical reenactment stuff if that's at all a thing, and he had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, but anyway. I really like Tharg. See when see when he like says that they're raising the price. See when yeah. like the editor, the fictional editor, is telling you that. That sort of dulls the blow slightly for me. That because I feel like other publications just wouldn't mention it, and I feel like I feel like Tharg's nice enough to be like, and we're putting ten B on the comic. We're giving you other things if you subscribe. Mm. But like actually calling it out, I feel like is a step above what like an American thing would do. Yes, I suppose so. Uh, the damage report. I was Kind of nothing again. I was disappointed by the damage report. Yeah. It's on theme for the comic, because it's a jumping on damage report. Yes, that's true. I, I hadn't put that together, but you're right, because they've totally dropped the whole AI ongoing storyline that was the, in there. This, this thinger about Tharg having been discontinued years ago. That was the end. That was the end. I didn't feel like the end. No. That felt like it was setting up to something. Like yeah. The, and this is like a damage report 001, basically. And it's the, dam- it's the mech being like... I'll be positive, and oh, yeah. don't worry, Darg's not like looming over me. Why would you say that? That's that's literally all that he's saying. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's nothing to talk about really because there's there's no no little story being developed. I do want to keep calling out the damage report though because it is so well hidden, yeah. and I think it's it's a nice little Easter egg. We definitely need to raise awareness of the damage report. Yeah. It gets talked about in like um, letters columns and stuff, so people know about it, but the general public yeah will have no idea. <laughs> So, the first story is Judge Dredd, Poison Part 1. In terms of what happens here, we open on Dredd looking at a big statue of Hershey. So, as I was saying, theme gone but not forgotten. Mm -hmm. Here she is, Hershey. You know, she died. The next, the very next actual story that isn't some weird alternate universe thing. What if, in 1982, these old man products combined? Yeah, we've got, first thing is, is Dredd, like, contemplating the memory of Hershey. Uh, she's got a great big statue that says get out of my city and back to hell at the bottom. Which Presumably is, something she said. Absolutely. And Dredd is, is having a wee, a wee moan in his head about how no one is looking at the statue. I felt like there was a disconnect between this Dredd story mm-hmm. from the very first page there and the, the Hershey story. Go on. Well, I mean you might have the same opinion as me from what you're, what you're gesticulating at back there but I didn't necessarily feel through the Dredd, the Hershey story that Dredd necessarily gave any kind of fuck that Hershey was dying. Mm-hmm. And she she dies in such a, like, she just, she collapses on the job from her, like, alien poison or whatever. And it, it's such, like, a little, you know, it's like a, it's a pathetic death for, like, a great fascist hero or whatever. Which I liked and thought was, like, a complicated sort of messy death. And yeah. we talked about that last, last issue, but... In this, like, Dredd's, like, upset that she's dead, and they, they had a reunion in the last few frogs, like, yeah, sure. and it didn't, he felt suitably, like, cold and evil and fascist to his, like, friend of 30 years, and in this he's, like, he's upset that the citizens won't look up at the statue of Hershey, and I was like, I mean, it, it's a different thing, it's a different writer in that, I, I didn't even check. Oh god, yes, we haven't even called out We the need writers. to call out the writers and things. We need to remember things. So, uh, the script on this is Rob Williams, the art is by PJ Holden, the colours are by Peter Doherty, and the letters are by Simon Boland. I didn't actually check if it was a different writer, which is something I should probably get on yeah. for the pod, but like, it felt like, like Dredd wasn't invested in Hershey before now, and now that she's dead. Maybe it's good, like, hip, hypocritical, fa- hypocritical fascist work. But I didn't necessarily feel it as... Because 
we'll get into it in the story, but I didn't necessarily feel the need for this story, the setup for the story, having read that Hershey. If you've not read the Hershey and you've just heard that she died, this would make sense, I guess. Absolutely. And also, my reaction to Hershey dying was a bit like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Because there was one mention of the fact that she needed to take drugs for something or other. That's been a continuing thing. she just died. So I think this is actually maybe like... Particularly for me, because I wasn't particularly aware of what the situation was that led to that. I agree with everything you were saying there. Mm. Shall I tell you why I think it's good? Go on. So, I think that Judge Dredd, whether or not he's actually written to be, Mm. comes off as extremely autistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's very rule-following, he's very reserved, he does have, like, strong internal life-like emotions, but Mm. he has the worst skills at communicating that that you've ever seen. Last story that we were talking about was a Hershey story, so it was from Hershey's perspective, mm. and Dredd was an external character. So, yes, Dredd came off as if he didn't care at all. But now, like, after that, we're getting in the inside of Judge Dredd's head, yeah. and he's broken up about this. This is his best friend, or second best friend. It's a named person that he knows. She was one of the best judges he'd ever seen. <laughs> he says that in here a bit later on. You know, that is, that is a very compelling argument. And maybe that makes me less, like, harsh towards the story. But, I mean, I, I definitely did feel that disconnect. And I might still feel it about, like, where the story goes. But, like, that... He is very autistic. He, like, he, he will, you know, defend any innocent non-lawbreaker's life, but punish a letter. I, I, I feel like, for. in order to stop us from getting cancelled, we do not believe that being autistic is a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Or any, in any way related to being, <laughs> like, a fascist, a fascist Nazi <laughs> no, super cop. Like... It's just your interpretation of... It's just the kind of character that he is. It's a type of person you can be. And I think that that is an element of Judge Dredd's character. Whether or not it's meant to be, that's my interpretation. And it'll, like, ebb and flow depending on the writers and the story. I want to call out some things about the art. I really like the art. It's the Noam Chimpsky artist. Oh, yes. And uh, the statue of Hershey has bird shit on its head. As all statues do. As all statues do. And also, presumably, it was just put up, like... Either this week or within the eight months since Hershey's death that's established in this story. It does look a bit like a concrete statue that, you know, you're, you're saying that like it, it, it looks like an older statue than it would have to be. Mm. I think that other artists might be tempted to make it like a, an even more giant gold statue or something. It is directly, it is in the front, like, courtyard of the Hall of Justice, yeah. according to the first panel. So, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised it isn't, like... A... I don't know, like, I'm not saying that that's, like, necessarily a bad thing. I don't know if it still exists, but there's, you know it's old there's an old New York it's like mega cities are built on top of it there was a, one of the early issues has the Statue of Liberty and then like ten times the size of it the Statue of Justice which is yeah. like a judge and like incredible work so it's that's, not that's good iconography this one seems like a, a statue that you might see like outside the houses of parliament like it's people sized yeah I mean this could be a statue of Horatio Nelson mm. or oh, the Duke of Wellington I mean, I feel like she's in, you know... She's not on a horse. That's, no. That's the difference, I guess. And she doesn't have a cone on her head, and I don't think necessarily <laughs> the judges would be you know, into that. No, it would be very funny if she did have a cone on her head in future stories, though. Also, the same panel with the shit on her head, and uh, there's a judges-only parking bay next to the statue. Oh, yeah, I hadn't even noticed that. It's one, one parking bay. Yeah. Which Judge Red is parked next to. I mean... Just to be a dick? I don't know. Like, the judges only might be its own space. And then, because there's a little white box that he is in. Yeah. It looks like it looks like there's a judges only parking bay. And then Judge Dredd has intentionally parked in the parking bay next to it to me. 
But I don't know, maybe you, you wouldn't be able to see that it said judges only if he was on top of it on his bike. Mm. It's a good read. It's little details like that that I love about like Judge Dredd and the, the sort of cyberpunk dystopia. What happens in this story? Yeah. Uh, Judge Dredd is not just annoyed that people don't respect her. She's also annoyed that uh, she, she's died and they don't have a particularly clear idea of why. So he goes and talks to some scientists. Turns out that it's all to do with an alien uh, virus, an alien pathogen, an alien pathogen. Say, which they had. They did cover in the Hershey story. That was like that's why she was taking the pills. Yeah. Presumably, she went on an adventure to a planet and got and a got disease. a disease. Yeah. But Dredd decides that this now needs to be investigated further. So he goes and uh, and gets his space vaccinations so he can yeah. go go to space. Uh, they call out that this uh, the vaccinations that he's taking will absolutely not protect him from the same pathogen that killed Hershey. So that's important, readers. Yeah, they, they set that up, and I, I felt it was a little bit difficult to parse, because I was like, why, why is he getting injections? That he's, don't... Getting, he's getting injections so that you can be told that the injections won't protect him. Yeah. He's that's, wearing, that's why. He wears like a little space suit rebreather thing when he's on the planet that yeah. he goes to. So there's like a, a shot of him being in a spaceship, and then there's a shot of him being on. I, I guess is it the moon? Is he going to Luna? I think he's going to an planet, right? This is the, the planet. I guess I don't know. Uh, Nubis. Yeah, they're on Nubis. Fair enough. He turns up on Nubis and then meets up with a, a, a Wally Squad judge, and we've already talked about Wally Squad. We love Wally Squad. The undercover guys. Uh, the, the Wally Squad judge is not Dirty Frank, but he does have a beard. He does have a beard. So I'm going to I'm going to say that that's like part of the uniform. <laughs> Must have beard Must if you want to beard. apply for Wally Squad. But all the judges are clean shaven usually, right? Mm. So that's that's how you tell. That's... Exactly. On Nubis, it turns out that the Wally Squad judge... He's gone to Nubis because the Wally Squad judge has arrested somebody for being the guy that infected Hershey. A guy's bragging. Yeah. They, they, they waited for eight months, I think he said, before anybody, like, had any crack. And so, so Hershey's been dead for eight months. This Apparently, story, yeah. This story takes place eight months after the last prog that was in proper continuity. Yeah. Which is odd, because like, one of my favourite things about Judge Dredd is that he ages in real time. It's difficult, because like, sometimes... He did get de-aged that time. He did get de-aged against his will, and also, sometimes you get like a 12-part story that covers like an afternoon's... Yeah. So you have to sort of jump around and... Judge Dredd now is an incredibly old man. The oldest like, man. The oldest judge. He's his, his physical here, he's got his shirt off, and like, he's... he's he, I think they do a good job of like making him look like... Obviously a muscular, fit man who has been muscular and fit for all of his life, yeah. but that life has been about 70 years long. And on the mean streets of Mega City 1. Yeah, because like, he's, he's muscly, but he's like got saggy muscles in a way, and uh, his skin is like... He's old in that way where he, like, he, he's, he's fit, but also it's unpleasant to look at. Yeah. And I've read some, like I was saying, my mum's been into 2080 since it started, and I've read like some of her old like annuals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in those, he's like clearly like a twenty something. Yeah, like, he starts as like a young protagonist, a yeah. cop guy. But like, I mean, like speaking of like oldness, like this first panel at the top, he sees just gnarled, yeah, old man jaw jutting out of that like helmet. It's incredible. Like that, the consistency to which they keep his horrible face <laughs> is amazing to me. <laughs> Back to the story. Dredd goes and meets with the Bolly Squad guy. He says, we've got this guy under arrest. He was one of the doctors when they were when, when Hershey was here. Mm. And uh, he's now started bragging that 
he was the one that killed the chief judge because he did the the injections for Hershey. Yeah, and he like failed to like like vaccinate her and or I think the idea was that he poisoned her. He poisoned her, yeah. But anyway, so then Dredd is is immediately just like stalking into the room and starts roughing this guy up. Yeah, it's that that was the thing. I was going to call it good dread work because that's the thing we should always I call it. I think it is good dread work. Yeah, it's very good. Like you know, where is she, Batman? Work like our fellow podcaster David from the pod from the mm. Boys from the Pod podcast. We've we've got him reading two cards. We're already successful. We can yeah. we can quit now. We, we absolutely like we've got one person reading the comic. We've converted another human being. He was saying that he didn't like dread roughing up someone in an interrogation. Mm. And I don't know if that's just like he doesn't like seeing police roughing up people in an interrogation. But Judge Dredd should absolutely be roughing up people in interrogation. Well, this is the thing because I was saying like if you if he was an innocent. I wouldn't like to see... Well, I, I, he might well be in it, but like in Dredd's eyes, yeah. he sees this guy as a lawbreaker and a criminal, so he can do whatever he wants to him because he's, he's an evil fascist judge. If this ki- if he is the judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. He is the ultimate authority. Yes. And like if this if the setup was different, mm-hmm. like if it was just an innocent, and then he roughed him up, I, I still think that's valid because I've seen that happen many times, but yeah. I'd be less on board with it. But because he, his like pathological mind of like, this like tick the box that he's he's committed any crime. <laughs> he's he's just gonna go in and like Batman eyes him up. So then the uh, doctor says that he was paid. Let me see. It's uh, I read this the other day. I think he says that he didn't actually. No, he was he was just talking big. I think. Yeah, he gave me the pathogen. Uh, I needed creds. So no, he he did. He did inject me, but he did it for someone else. So the, which. How do you feel about that? Because that's the stinger. That's the end of the, the strip. That's the next time. If this was the guy who was responsible, this would be a one-issue yeah. story. And now but we've got somewhere to go. The guy is specifically calling out, like, the, the guy that paid him to poison Hershey is from Mega City 1. Mega City 1, yeah. How do you feel about, like, the guy... I'll, t- I'll tell you why I like that. Mm. Because I don't like when Dread goes to space. I was going to bring that up. Because mm-hmm. that happened recently. Yeah. And I, I was, was alright with it. But, like, I definitely took your points at the time. I forget what the story was called, but he was in space looking for someone. He was in space. He was hanging out with, like, sci-fi aliens. Yeah. And, like, it's just slightly too high sci-fi for where I think Dread should be. I'm fine I'm, with it. I'm fine with Dread in space sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. this is actually fine. Mm-hmm. I did have a bit where he, like, turned up on Nubis mm-hmm. and wearing his space cloak. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is this going to be a space thing? Yeah. Um, but, like, it's, you know, an interrogation. And I'm also fine with them going to Titan. Because yeah. Titan is, like, a similar enough feeling when it's setting within the 2080 one say, when it's hard sci-fi, but hard sci-fi is the wrong thing, but when it's, like, medium sci-fi, when it's, like, just restricted to the solar system, and it's all, like... Mega city installations on like yeah. Mars or whatever. That's that's like a different vibe from the, the the story recently, which was like comedy space aliens on like a like a cantina bar planet. Like. Yeah, like Dread was hanging on with like a cat man who yeah. was an alien, and I I think it's fine. I think it's really good when those aliens come to Mega City One and like like. I would prefer them to be mutants if they're in Mega City One. I like one. I like the kitchen sink approach of two thousand eight of Mega City One and Dread were like. Vampires and space aliens. True, they're like vampires. Well, like all the things exist at once, and like that's just a case for the day, kind of thing. Mm. And you can use, you know, you can you can do good metaphor work with like aliens from space and things. I really like that it takes us back to Mega City One. Mm-hmm. No problem with that. What I don't like is that like there's an guy responsible for the death of Hershey. 
Is it going to be this smiley guy who I still don't really know? I think who he's he dead. Is. Like we weren't reading when smiley was a thing. I yeah. think he, I think they killed him or dealt with him. He might be in jail. He might be in the cubes. But I don't think he's a current problem. I don't think he's at large because like that's what Hershey was doing. She was yeah. shutting, shutting down his legacy, which to me implies they dealt with him. Yeah, and then are dealing with all of his like remaining boys. So. Maybe. But, I mean, but like that seems to be Smiley, uh, not Smiley, Smiley seems to be Hershey's nemesis. Yeah. If, if indeed she had one. I think that's who led to her downfall. Yeah. Dread saying, I don't have like... Respect for you. Yeah, I don't yeah. respect your authority. But um, I, I just, I feel like it flies in the face of, because like Hershey dies of a pathogen in uh, an alleyway. Yeah. And it's like a sad, pathetic death. And it being like a targeted attack kind of thing... I, Presumably it already had been, like, that must have been established already. Yeah. But, like, it didn't feel like she was... Because, like, they call out that she didn't go after. Yeah. And, like, it, it wasn't, like, a revenge... Like, the Hershey story wasn't her going after a slow killer. Mm-hmm. It was her putting her affairs in order before dying of a... Not natural, but kind of natural thing. Like, she didn't get Sam. She got... She died from a biological problem. Um. So, like, I don't know. It's just part of that disconnect between, like, the Hershey story and this story where, like... I don't necessarily need there to be a guy that killed Hershey and to be following up on it. But I think it's smart from like a jumping on point perspective, because this is the start of a new story. Like this is a this is the the part one and also it's like, but we've got the continuity from Hershey and Yeah. Like, and like if you want to go back and read the stories that this is referencing, you can. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah. I think I think it's smart, but like I don't necessarily like need it to be a story about tracking down Hershey's murderer who's probably like a shock reveal on the page turn kind of thing. I think that's a fine thing for it to be and also like my take on it is like if you're going to kill Hershey because like that was my main problem with Hershey's death is like well why why are we doing this if you're going to kill Hershey you might as well get a story out of it. Well they they killed her twice now yeah and I don't know if people were unhappy that she died the first time so they brought her back and I think people were very unhappy that they brought her back yeah like I guess I don't I don't understand why you would kill Hershey. I don't understand why Hershey would stop being the chief judge, other than to set up eviler chief judges for they, drama. Yeah, they would have had an idea for like the story to move forward. The, the, the status quo of like Hershey being like the chief to I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like that feels like a thing that they'll like when they do like you know they've been they did the battle action stuff and it's nostalgia for yeah. them. when they do nostalgia stuff in the future it'll be like Hershey nostalgia and could absolutely see that. My big takeaway from this. Uh, this dread was that Hershey wanted her body shot into the sun. She did, she did. That was like the best bit of that comic to I've, me. I've got another bit similar to that that I wanted to bring up before we move on, mm-hmm. which is that one of the doctors when Dredd's getting his physical is saying, um, can I ask you some questions about the thing where Hershey died? Because um, I only asked because, well, there are rumours about some sort of long walk. Yeah. Like he's just like, well, what's the actual story here? Dredd's response Usual stony face, malice bubbling behind the visor, is uh, what do the official records say about Hershey's death. And he's like, uh, well, to killed by an alien pathogen, contracted off-world, uh, as per wishes, flown into the sun. And then uh, Dreads left that's like, then that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Just really like that. <laughs> Just, what's the official story? That's my story. That, well, yeah, that is the story. That is... End of comment, yeah. mate. End of page. <laughs> I liked it, but like, like I say, I wasn't like necessarily inspired by the, like the, the impetus for the story. Like I didn't necessarily feel the well, need for it. Uh, I know that uh, David was saying he didn't like the story either, mm. and uh, I think I probably liked it more than you did. And it's not bad in any way, and I love the art. Like the art's cracking. But fair enough. Let's move on. 
What is the next story in the The next story in the prog is Fairland Foe, Bad's Good... Goodsburg? I can't read it because it's green words on a green background. I think it's Goodsburg. Is that the name of the city they the, go to? They definitely go to Anne Place in this. Anyway, so this is script by Dan Abnett, uh, art by Richard Elson, letters by Jim Campbell. This is another thing where I was saying, thinking, like, gone but not forgotten, because, mm-hmm. like, you remember how we were saying when we were discussing Dan Abnett, yeah. like, oh, he did a comic that we both really liked called Feral and Foe. Yes. And, like, here it is again. <laughs> yeah, we set it up in the previous episode, and here it is. We had, did, did you have any idea it was coming back? Yes. Uh, At the end of the battle action thing, it told you what was coming next on the last But, page. like, when we were talking about it, did you have any idea? That's, that's a recent memory, so I don't have much memories of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes. But also, I was saying, like, hey, remember this as a theme? Because the, the whole first page of Feral and Foe here is uh, just the character Bode, the... I, I think I said before he was a necromancer, he just appears to be a wizard. He's like a very evil wizard. He's like, like a battle mage. Yeah, like he's, he's a sort of necrotic guy himself. Yeah, but like the very first page is just him explaining what Feral and Foe is yeah, to the do you, do you want to explain to the, the viewers what Feral and Foe is off the top of your head? Or? Uh, I probably should do, because it's boring if I just read the comic out. Yeah. But, so, Feral and Foe, there was a war at some point between, like, who you would generally, like, stereotype as the good guys in a fantasy setting. A fantasy war. They're, they're humans, mm. and then there's, like, monstery guys who are, like, green or necromancy types. They seem to be adjacent to the standard fantasy races, yeah. kind of. Uh, and the, uh, the the standard fantasy races who like are maybe a little bit bad guy coded, they lost the war. Mm. I think they were fighting for the murder lords. The murder lord. I've got a lot of questions because I don't remember how the last like run of this ended. Well, uh, I can get into that because... Uh, once you've explained the thing we're getting to, yeah. Fair enough. So, anyway. Uh, so the murder lord lost the war. And uh, in order to be allowed to exist in the continuing society by the, like, human race... The, the winners of the war. The uh, the people that fought for the murder lord had to basically sign contracts where they were saying, like, we will hunt down our own in the service of the crown. Yeah. Uh, and the, they, they hunt down ferals and foes. So monsters and, like... Foes of the crown. Foes, foes of the crown. And uh, they call them like a writ taker or something. Yeah, uh, the monarchy's special writs, he says. And they have to be branded so that you can yes. tell that they're working for the right people. One of the characters shows off their brand during the story. It's a very good jumping on story, I would say. Like, Oh, yeah. Like that first like half a page that's like, here, let me exposit the concept to you. Mm-hmm. And also he's exposing it to the bad guys in the story. What happened in the previous story that I read, I mm. think I didn't read the first Part I have that now, because that came with the magazine. Yeah. I mean to give you that. Um, but I read the second part when it was running in 2000 AD, and what happened there was that there was a character who's no longer in this, who I would say is like the main character, yeah. and he was an orc-alike. I don't think he actually was called an orc, but like... Does he... Think of an orc. Look like Captain Plunder. Uh, in my memory of Captain Plunder from Sonic the Comic, he looks exactly like Captain Plunder. should say... It's the same artist. Yeah, it's the Richard Elson who worked on uh, a lot of the main stories in Sonic the Comic as the artist. Because he's, like, you say an orc, but I, I, I think back to that Feral Info guy and think of him as, like, a kind of wal- walrus man orc thing. He's got big tooth, big, big tusky teeth and, like, a chunky general physique. Yeah. 
and he is his skin is like it's not green, but it is like a color that skin generally isn't. So yeah. It's like maybe red or something. Like a ready beige. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so he was like the main character in the previous story. And uh, he's no longer in it. And what happened there was there was some kind of magical explosion and everybody got changed. So like the character here, Bode, uh, his brain was swapped with the fighter girl. So like the, the fighter girl was in like an overweight mage's body and couldn't fight properly. And Bode, the magician, was in a fighter girl's body. And like, I guess magic has something to do with your physique. So was yeah. unable to do magic. Well, he's he's like a combat wizard that seems to need to be bloated and necrotic to do his magical stuff. One of their other guys of their party had been killed in the magical explosion. And it, if I were to make a bet, I would say that that guy who was killed was probably the main character in the first, first run. Yeah, it seems to be a theme of Feral Info yeah. that they're losing people from their D&D team. Yeah. Uh, and the, the orc guy seemingly had nothing changed about him. Yeah. Uh, as the story progressed, they you know went to a necromancer to try and find out what had happened. And they found out that uh, something had changed about the main guy. The main guy's soul was missing. Yeah. And they went on some kind of adventure. They were looking for a magical chalice, which mm. is still in play. Uh, Bode calls out that like it's grafted into his skull It now. must have broke or something. Magical I've chalice. read those comics, but I don't remember. I think it exploded. Yeah. And, like, maybe like a shrapnel from it, it went into his head. Mm. But um turned out, after the the quest of the last like ongoing story, that um, the main guy's soul wasn't missing. It had been swapped, and it had been swapped with... The murder lord. The murder lord. So, like, the lovely, like, sort of... Not Ben Grimm, but, like, he's, like, a kind of orky, cheeky, chappy type character who's, like, your your eyes in the story. Yeah. The murder lord. And uh, as soon as he realised this, he decided, well, I'd better get to murdering then. Murdering and, 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 and lording. And immediately started fighting his friends who fought back and won. Did, did they kill him? I don't have any memories th- of that. I think he's dead. Yeah. Uh, That's a real shame, because, like, it was a good comic with him. Like, he was, yeah, a, yeah. He was a good POV and, like... I liked I liked Feral Info a lot when it was when it was running the I think second part. The second part, yeah. This particular story, though, we've got Bode dis- like describing basically what we are, what's the kingdom, this whole thing with the war, that whole situation, and then he's describing that all to some orcs who he's going to be bounty hunting. Some ferals and foes. Ferals and foes. You say orcs? Are they meant to be like tree men? Well, they've got tree-like heads, but I. I, I take that as orcs with the serial numbers filed off. Oh, yes. But also, at one point, I want to say there's a tree pun that I really enjoyed. If, in fact, they are tree people. Mm. Uh, I, th- I thought it was like horns or antlers. Mm. Uh, at one point, when the characters are fighting them, one of the potentially tree men says, Oh my gourd. <laughs> okay. And we that do, might just be like a pronunciation thing. There's a lot of pronunciation in this comic as well. Like, there's a lot of regional dialects and swearing, and I love it. Well, it's fantasy, so mm. you get other English accents. Mm. That's or, or Scottish accents if dwarfs are involved. If dwarfs are involved, they sadly weren't yeah. in this issue. So then we get an action scene. It's a pretty good D and D magical action scene. He's casting spells. There's like he, he summons a giant hand. More, very much like Green Lantern. It's a giant green energy hand. But also like the Dungeons and Dragons spell Bigsby's magic hand. Yeah, which again is it's it's got a spell name with the numbers filed off because yeah. it's called out as someone's magic thumper or something. Shackling. Yeah, uh, and then uh, he, you know he. he 
He does he, shadow clone new Dixie. He does, yeah, he does shadow clones, which also could be the D&D spell Mirror Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, he inflates somebody, which, like, there probably is a D&D spell that does that. There's uh, certainly a fetish for that. Very true. He explodes. I really like that, because like it's a good two-page fight where he's showing off all of his gimmicks, and also the tone setter of, like, he's doing D&D stuff. But it's it's grim, like it's, like it's grim fantasy because he like there's a comedy shot of like a guy who is like blown up like a balloon, and then the next panel's a nice like kind of modesty cutaway where they don't actually show him exploding into bits; they just show the sort of splatter of it, and that that makes the remaining orcs just say like "fuck this," like, and they run away towards the uh, the woods where the other party member who is a blue. Chain mail or chain headed, like mm. she, instead of like braids, it looks like hair, but she's just got chains coming from her head. And I can't tell if that's like a chain wig, like maybe it's armor, because like she's got a headband around it. Yeah, so, so they, it could, she could just be wearing chain mail, but it, it, it's coated as hair. Like, it, see the way it curls exactly. in that panel. Yeah, like it, it looks like her fantasy race is like blue people with chains coming out of their head. I very much think of her as the dark elf. Yeah, she's very dark elfy. Yeah. And uh, again, it's it's great. Uh, you know, Richard Elson is a great action artist, mm-hmm. as is quite well on show here, because it's hard to make a sword fight look good in comics because it's static images. Mm-hmm. But he's he's got a lot of good things here, where like the panels show off like the individual like important motions in like the sword strikes. He's also added in a thing where there's like a a wee loopy line to show the wave of motion. And like it's it's not just like sword swing chop off. Sword they call swing them lock. directional devices. Directional devices. Directional eh? devices. Also, the panel layout um, really complements it as well because it's sliced into mm. segments as she's slicing the not orcs into bits. So that gives you a bit of an idea of what's going on. They take their um, the, the the guys who they have killed for the bounty over to the Wretch Finder General. Wretch Finder General. Not the Witch Finder General. Again, puns. It's a dynamic theme. It's, yeah. it's a staple. And uh, turns out they had a bunch of treasure on them. And one of the treasure is what is quite clearly to me an iron golem. Like you get in D&D. Like you get in D&D. That iron golem made me think because we've recently had a dynamic comic where like he crossed over... You know, two of these things, like mm-hmm. Azimuth and uh, Sinister and Dexter. I was wondering, looking at the Iron Golem, because, like, yes, it's very much an Iron Golem, although it does look it has, like it has Darkseid's face. It does look an awful lot like Darkseid. And, like, no one knows what it is. Even the Wretch Finder General's like, oh, I don't know what this is. This, we'll have to go and do a we'll quest. Have, we'll have to go to Hogwarts. We'll have to absolutely go to Hogwarts and find out what this is. And I was like, hmm, is this, like, a 2000 AD thing that we're meant to know? Or maybe be suspicious of? Or it... Is it going to turn into, like, a sci-fi thing? Because, like, you know... Well, it, like, it could be a robot robot, but yeah. the reason why I'm calling it specifically Iron Golem yeah. is that it's got, like, a letter carved into its head, oh, like yeah. what a golem well, does. Golems, of course, yeah. You, you're supposed to put, like, the name of God into a golem's mouth or something don't, in, don't you put in the, the mythology. In the, the Jewish mythology, isn't it? Like, yeah. you, you write what you want the golem to do, and then you, you put that info into its mouth. Uh, yes, but also like the name of God is like one of the things that you've got to. Ha- That's the code to yeah. activate the golem, um, because I guess God is animating it. God, God is big into golems, apparently. Well, you know, golems are a weird thing because it's like a specific sub, well, cultural. I was going to mm. say subcultural, but it's like a specific cultural, like folklore thing that has been very much internalized into just all nerd stuff. Yeah. So like, but yeah, I, I think this is a golem. 
he looks really cool. He's got little like elvish looking arms with like um like wavy patterns, and they're on his boots as well. And he, and he looks quite cozy in that coffin. I feel like he looks really nice and like like he's having a nice nap. They are sent with like other members of a D and D party. So there's some more wretch finders that go with them, who I assume are going to die at some point. Yeah, there is a couple of interactions that I want to call out because mm-hmm. the wretch finder general has like this eager young swat. Pink haired. Pink is it? She got pink hair. She might be grey, but grey. it looks pink to me. I'm going to say she's got grey hair, and it's it's the the same interaction between um, Sister Michael from Dairy Girls <laughs> and the SWAT character there <laughs> because she's like really like eager. I and, was not expecting Dairy Girls to get. Well, that's that's what I got from it because yeah. like the Rich Finder General is like like calling her out that you're like you're like a, you're trying to suck up to me yeah. and also trying to steal my job. I like that about you. <laughs> like it's like. Acknowledging that she's a monster. I think the quote from Dairy Girls is uh, like the Jenny Joyce rats out the main mm. characters, and Sister Michael is going like, uh, "You will go far in life, Jenny Joyce, but you will not be liked." Exactly. That is the exact tone that I took from that interaction. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So quite obviously, flagging this character up as as the villain. Yeah. The um, wretch finder. What's her name? Doesn't really matter. I'm sure we'll find out once it becomes important. It seems like she'll fuck them over immediately. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or be responsible for like the whole bad things that are going on in the yeah. first place as some kind of like ploy to oust the wretch finder general. But he's into that. He's into the ambition and like sheer like capitalist drive of this. And like it's conveyed in the panel. Like see that one panel of her just like looking directly in at us. Manic. Oh yeah. Uh, the team that they get saddled with, so there's some more guys in like the golden armour of the, the the crown, the kingdom. And uh, they've got a replacement orc, although he looks less like an orc than the other ones. He's a proprietary orc, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's, he's blue this time. He's blue and he hasn't got tusky teeth, but he's got the same like tree-like head. But like, if this were a D&D game, I would say this is the, the player that was playing the orc last time. Has got a, yes. an NPC that he's taking over, so that he can still use the same character sheet as a different character. There's a thing in like when people talk about '80s comics, because you know how there was the big fantasy boom mm-hmm. in the '80s, and people would just convert their actual D and D game into a comic. Like they would use their D and D game as the basis, and they would just make that their comic. That's absolutely what um, the Dragonlance novel started out yeah. as. Do you think that's what's happening here? Do you think this is Dan Am- Dan Amnett's game? Is... Very much could be. It gives me that impression. There's also a guy who, to me, looks like a hobgoblin, but they mm. say that he's a, a, a drake he, born or something. He's, he's a dragonborn equivalent. Yeah. And they, we, we know that because they get into the conversation about how they're sired. It's another pun name, Draconatal. Oh. He's a Draconatal combat mage. Oh, he's a combat mage. I don't think I picked up They said that he's a combat mage. Mm. He does have armor and a really big sword. Okay. But he's, he's a great fancy character design. Um, I don't really have much to say about him other than that he doesn't look like a dragonborn. He looks like a, a hobgoblin. Hobgoblin. They have a, a funny interaction about like was your, was your mum or dad the dragon? Yeah. And like I feel like I, I like him from his response. It's like that's personal. Fuck yeah. off. But he, like he answers it in like steps. He's like, well, actually, and then a third, the second thing, and then the third one is, but you know, fuck off. And then we have that scene from Lord of the Rings where they're walking somewhere and the music is playing mm. and we see where they're going and they're just walking into a Dark Souls level. It very, very much looks like a Dark Souls level. Uh, the place that we refer to as Hogwarts is, uh, is 
Goodsburg, not Godsburg. Goodsburg. There's an e in it. Goodsburg. Uh, and it's it's very dilapidated looking. There's a big fantasy door that is clearly some degree of ruined. The sky is red behind it. The sky is fiery red, which is never a good sign. And then this is like the seat of all magical knowledge of the, like, supposedly good guys. Mm -hmm. Like, they're talking about how there's, like, a kind of light magic and a dark magic that, like, the the humans only practice light magic. I think it's, like, the dark magic is studied here as well, they Mm -hmm. say. It's it's their, like, um, special intelligence branch type thing. They call it out as, like, like their MI5 or whatever. But like this, this place looks like some some bad shit has gone down. And in fact, when they get there, uh, the big fancy door creaks open, and uh, a, a peasant-looking guy comes out saying, "Oh, thank feck, you're here!" Shout out to the word feck. There's a lot of feck in this comic. Have we got problems? Exclamation mark. This is a good adventure hook for your D and D party. Absolutely. You've got them together. You've dealt with your previous like, t- like loose ends being tied up. And now go to this place to do a thing. Here's an NPC that's going to give you quests. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit point A to point B, mm-hmm. I would say. But I don't think that it needs to be anything more than that. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. It's a good setup issue. It's like, here's what we are. Here's what we do. Yeah. Also, here's two to three pages of a fight. Yeah. Which is a key, I think. And and a very good fight, I would very, say. Very good, very memorable fight. That guy exploded. Really. <laughs> I really liked it for whatever reason. But yeah, you need that because like a lot of these are going to be setup issues, and like you can front load the exposition and then have nay fight. And I'm not, yep. I'm not saying that every two kind comic needs a fight, but it does benefit from one. And it was very much a stock fight as well because mm. it was, it was literally just like doing some bounty hunting. Yeah, killed five rats, yeah. like, but in a way that expressed the characters and showed. Show all the powers. Here's why maybe you, a teen or a child, would like this comic. Because there's this orc-looking guy that can make people explode. Like, it's it's good selling of their gimmicks. Anything else that stuck out to you? Just the total use of feck and the different British dialects, which is, I think, a running thing for Feral Info. Third comic is Helium, Gorched Earth number one. This was by, script by Ian Edgington, art by Disraeli. I see it as Disraeli as well. That's the name of a, like, old British Prime Minister, Benjamin yes. Disraeli. Yeah, I was wondering why it was triggering vague recollections in my brain. Yeah. And uh, letters by Simon Boland. I believe this no, is... No, no any Park House so far, but Ooh. we've had a lot of, um, I think we've had a couple of Simon Bolands, actually. Maybe she was, like, tied up with the battle action issue, which was quite a lot of words. Possibly. I think this is the, um... Oh, what was it? you know the 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 team who previously did the War of the Worlds thing, which I'm. It looks like that. I'm skipping on the name of. So am I. Actually. I had something traces Scarlet traces Scarlet traces yeah. Scarlet yeah. traces. I think it's and maybe that's why it took eight years to come back because they, they were doing Scarlet traces. They were doing Scarlet traces. Maybe so. Uh, Helium is a comic which I read eight years ago. Apparently. Do you have good memories of eight years? I do have good memories. I thought it was good at the time. Uh, I thought at the time and still think that it is basically a comic directly inspired by Bioshock Infinite. Ooh, okay. I didn't think you were going to go... That wasn't something I thought you were going to pull there, but... Well, what the thing with Helium is, is the setting is very sort of... Oh, I don't know, maybe like turn of the century, like like going into 1900s. Pre, Pre-World War I? Pre-World War One, maybe around World War yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, there's like blimps and the war that has happened in the backstory... 
uh, is effectively World War One because the big problem was poisonous gas. Yes, they yeah. Gassed the whole world. So much gas that the entire planet's covered in a, a smog. Uh, yeah, a layer of smog that kills everything. So the, the the place where humans live is this like I think it's like a flying city above the clouds. So Bioshock mm. Infinite. A biodome. Uh, it's, it's less American than Bioshock Infinite, but I thought. I was pretty sure that the writer had played Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite was like 2013, so if it was eight years ago, that would yeah. be a couple of years into it. And well, it, like, it was more in my mind then than it would have been if this was the first time I'd seen Helium. Mm. Um, but like, also, Bioshock Infinite, look at this guy here. Yes. So he was a character in the first run as well, and he is a guy who looks like Robot Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> He's got like a big clank clank old style robot body with like Popeye proportions. He's, he's very got, Popeye, I was going to say. Yeah, he's got big big forearms and uh, and and booty feet, and he's got like a human face. Yeah, he's and like he's there like, was an enemy type in Bioshock, and I think they were called the Handymen that had like a slightly more sort of bulked out version of a similar character design to this. He does look like what if Robocop happened in a Popeye cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is maybe why I find him unnerving. It's his, it's his like thighs that are just tubes. Mm. Like he's just got line thighs, and I'm like, oh no, but there's a person bit in there. What I got from this, from not having read Helium before and not making the Bioshock connection, was like HG Wells stuff. Oh yeah, like, but also like that was part of the the Bioshock the Bioshock yeah. thing. I played Bioshock Infinite once many years after it came out, and never went back to it because I died and it sent me back many hours and I was just like fuck that I played it all in one night mm. with uh, a group of friends getting drunk <laughs> and um, I remember quite liking it uh, but maybe being slightly disappointed that it wasn't more of an RPG I don't know that is that's a that's a usual problem yeah. isn't it uh, what happens in this? So we open on a scene of uh, a doctor educating a classroom of I think the royal family mm. This whole thing is flashback, as we will come to learn. I didn't know that, you know, going yeah. in. It didn't feel like a flashback until they it was. They didn't call it out until mm. it did. But like, as, some, as a new reader with no connection to Helium. As they must assume most people will be if yeah. it hasn't been running for eight years. Absolutely. Tharg does call out that this is, like, the first appearance of Helium since the airship that the main character's win was crashing. Yeah. So, like, that comes in later on. But, so, um, it's classroom... They're learning about the lore of the setting and specifically about how there's this smog and there are like goblins outside of the Dingham city. Or are there? Brings up goblins specifically. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, I might see some goblins. Smog goblins. And how like some animals can survive in the poisonous environment. But they're poor, twisted wretches. But then uh, the plot breaks down the door. Yes. As um, Handyman Popeye comes cracking, crashing in robot Abraham Lincoln uh, carrying the wounded emperor or king or something. I was going to say czar. Czar, because that was it. The first, the first couple of pages where we're learning the backstory, I was like, oh, this is very, like, czar, because they're, they're, like, the princess. I, I think, I think and, he actually is the czar. Yeah, like, because, like, like, I had that thought, and then robot Abraham Lincoln was like, the czar has been shot. And I was like, yeah. okay, so, like, this is just the Russian Revolution then? It is just Russian Revolution. They're like, oh, what's going on? How did this happen? And they're like, oh, they're, they're everywhere. Who's ev who's everywhere? Cooks, peasants. And, uh, and so, so like, you know, cut to the Russian Revolution. Mm -hmm. Just happens in the space of, like, a second. The Russian Revolution breaks down the door. Uh, and then... Like, confusingly, the doctor who was literally just teaching the kids seconds ago mm -hmm. 
is one of the revolutionaries. He was talking about like the will of the Tsar, like the will of God, basically. Yeah, like, and and he's like kings and queens only belong in fairy tales, and he just has a submachine gun. I really like that panel. <laughs> that panel. It's such like a comedy cartoon Uzi. And he, like, he's putting the stock against his chest. Like, it's such a good... Like, where did he pull it from? Where is that gun before this place? <laughs> Was it in his teaching desk? <laughs> Does he just carry an Uzi in case? Like, yeah, like... In case of revolution, break glass. <laughs> uh, and he just guns down women and children. And Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln. Because I was shocked. This, As a new reader, shocked. Because I didn't realise this was flashback. I didn't mm-hmm. understand what was going on. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting character designed to just blow the head off of like this is this is very shocking and very like where's this going um it's it's an interesting shot as well because like they show you the line of the bullet and it Mm. ricochets off of his robot arm into the back of his head and then from the back of his head clearly changes path again Mm. so i guess he's got a metal head under his skin well yeah i guess they're setting up for like the reveal that he's he's not dead yeah because spoilers spoilers on the next page he's not dead he gets up and he throws the guy somewhere into some boxes i reckon (laughs) Like, there's, 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 I was going to say a well-animated, but it's not animated. There's, like, a, a bit where you can see him picking the doctor up and throwing him. And I thought he'd be throwing him out a window, but he doesn't. He's just he's just not in the comic after that. So some boxes off screen, that's him dealt with. Maybe yeah. he's throwing him into some water, and, like, that'll be him dealt with. I didn't note this when I was reading it the first time, but, like, you can actually quite clearly see that he doesn't have metal under his skin because his brain's out there. I think there's some metal in his brain. Mm. Like, this bit here is, like, computery, so maybe that deflected it. But, like, his, his brain is leaking out the back of his head. Yeah. Whilst he's comforting the dying Tsar wife. Tsarina. The Tsarina. Uh, and children who have been oozied to death by this teacher. Except for the actual baby, mm. who we then find in the t- the two very last panels is uh, the main character from the previous thing. And we're now like, this has all been a flashback uh, to like the shot of their airship collapsing. Presumably it's a flashback that the Robocop uh, Popeye man is having because she's like telling him to like get it together or uh, I thought this was quite good. I thought it looked quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of politics at play here. Oh, well, yes, because like when I was reading it, I was like, "Do you want me to feel bad for the czars? Like, are the czar the, the princess of the czar is and the like, main character of your comic?" The, like, this, I think this is where like our, our political tendency is mm. going to like show its differences because I do feel bad for the the princesses yeah. of the czar. We probably should feel bad for the children yeah. at least, but like it's a weird. This this is why I would be opposed to violent revolution. Yes, just putting that on out there. The thing is, it's not just like this is a fantasy thing. Yeah, and but it, they are the czar. Like the, either they're not like they're called out as the czar. Like he is the czar. He's the czar, and this is like the, the czar that you know of as Tsar Nicholas II. Yeah, who is the reason why that revolution happens. Yes, but like. It's bad. It's good to feel bad about children dying. That's, yep. that's a comment that might need to get clipped out of context. But it's, <laughs> it's good to feel bad. You know, you should feel bad that children die. That's a that's a natural response. Yeah. But this is a comic where you've decided to make these characters these characters, and then presumably go on to be the main character of the comic. You read the previous thing though. I did. I have got questions. Is she very Zari? No, she's not. So there you I, go. I think, I think this is um, one of the things where like they're. 
they're they're sort of giving you some explanation. Like mm. if you have been reading the comic this whole time, uh, it gives you some explanations as to why things are the way they are. Yeah. I, th- I can't remember if we knew she was the princess or not. Okay, but like we knew she was traveling around with a robot man, mm. and um, like she clearly seemed like she was like maybe more important than she seemed. Mm. But like I don't. So this could be the reveal that she was. Yeah, I, I can't remember very well because it was eight years ago. Mm. Maybe it was more apparent than I'm remembering. But like, yeah, th- this is definitely like explaining why we were where we were i think yeah it works a lot it's not i don't think it's as good as a intro as the feral and fool but like it caught me up to speed having never read a helium thing in my life Uh, i like the character designs i already like the art style because if it is indeed the scarlet traces people i really enjoyed the art style on scarlet traces that said, how do you feel about this drawing of the main character as a baby in like a little bundle? Well, I think it looks really weird, but they're clearly doing it so that it has a visual similarity mm. to the next panel where like she is a grown, yeah. like, I don't know, girl more than woman, but still. It, it, so you think it's meant to be freaky? You think it's meant to be like a woman's head on a baby it body? It definitely is, because if you look at the other panels that have the baby in them, mm. uh, it doesn't have that hair. Ah, of course, yes. Well, that's good then, because I got to that panel, because like the Robocop man is holding this baby burrito in his Robocop hand. and she's... His massive, massive hand yeah. that makes the baby look like, as you say, a burrito, but like also... Maybe smaller than a burrito yeah. is the thing. Like, Yeah, in, a, in an animated thing or like a live-action thing, that would be the, the cut between... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just... I just remember seeing that panel and being freaked out about it and I've, I've thought about it since then and it's been on my mind like, that panel but like you're, you're right like it definitely is doing the good job of conveying the the shock and the freakiness and yeah whether or not it did that as well as anything possibly could have mm. we could argue that like there might have been a better method to achieve the effect well i i didn't get it but i think that's because i'm dumb <laughs> <laughs> i think they'd set out to do a thing and achieve the thing they were setting out to do yeah i am excited for the next issue like that, that, I want to see what happens. I'll, I like the world that's as as, in, as I keep saying, as a new reader to Helium, mm-hmm. the world that's set up in this thing, I find quite exciting. Recently, I, I found myself wanting to read like H.G. Wells stuff because, like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I, I know. I don't think there's going to be space marines in it. No, but like, I like you know how it's all like expeditions and lost worlds and like yeah. airships and stuff. But like here, it is in Toucan, where it'll be fun and readable and yeah. Um, I, I, like, I absolutely believe that you could do that if you put your mind to it, but mm-hmm. like, there have been multiple times when you've said, I'm going to start reading this book, yeah. and you've read the first chapter. Hey, right. I feel like you're specifically calling me out on that time I tried to read um, Day of the Triffids. <laughs> and to my credit, I didn't understand that Day of the Triffids was the bleakest thing that humanity's ever put to paper. Maybe so. Anyway, uh, this isn't a Day of the Triffids podcast. Pay us on Patreon if you want us to go through chapter by chapter <laughs> Day of the Triffids and I just wail in the background <laughs> as like mothers gas their children because they're blind now. Anyway, moving on to something a little bit less bleak. A little bit less bleak and a bit more fun. So next up we have Judge Dredd versus Robo Hunter. Script by Garth Ennis. Big name comic man Garth Ennis. Enos is back. Art by... Henry Flint and uh, Ledgers by Rob Steen. So no Annie Parkhouse? No no Annie Parkhouse this issue, I think. Very interesting. Yeah. Maybe she'd jump off, like she's, she's no longer on the comic as far as we know. Maybe it was her holiday week, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Uh, anyway, so this is uh, old character from 2080, Robo Hunter Sam Slade, and he has taken out a contract to hunt down a robot because he's a Robo Hunter. Apparently that's the thing he does. Did you know? That he was a Dreadverse character. 
I'm still not sure if he is. Yeah. Because, like, he is in this story. Yeah. But, like... This story did a good enough job to convince me that he is. Uh... But, like you say, I don't know. I've never sat down and read a prog with Robohunter and, like, fully read through the story. I have, but it's always been, as I said, one of those, like, special guest appearances from Robohunter. I got 90s ones recently that have Robohunter in it, uh-huh. but it's, like, written by Mark Miller, and I just couldn't. Like, I've read Mark Miller comics I liked. I have as well, but, like, it was a combination of, like, the art and, like, Mark mm-hmm. Miller and it being a 90s thing. I'm sure, like, he's, like, a classic 70s or 80s character that has, like, a golden era run or whatever, but I've, I've never seen any of that. Yeah, me too. So... He might, like, right in. We need to be educated on this, because, like, they might just be, like, kayfabing or whatever, saying, like, he, he... Because they, they do that. They do, like, have Strontium Dog be in the, like, Dread universe, even though yeah. that makes no sense from what I've read of Strontium Dog, so... Well, like, I always thought that that was a thing, because I, I know from Tharg in the battle action issue last time mm-hmm. that Strontium Dog started in a different comic. Yeah. But I thought that he'd been incorporated in a way where, like, he was in the future from Dread's time. But it doesn't make any sense, because, like, the future should be even more abstract than... Yeah. It can't... The, like, in Strontium Dog, there's named British places that, yeah. like, can't... Po- there's no Britset. Like, it's... Uh, speaking of Britset, apparently that's where Robo Hunter lives. He's he's from Mega City 1. He's from Mega City 1, but now operates in Britset. Which... The the way they they talk about that in this issue because he like he they talk about him having some previous stuff in Mega City One. Yeah, it takes a while for them to say that he was in Mega City One. Yeah, but like when they said he's from Britsit, I started looking at him and I was like, I could see this guy speaking in a Cockney accent well, actually. But that like, sort of makes more sense to me now. <laughs> to me, right? And correct me on this, but to me, he looks like your man um, from the Dirty Harry films. Can't think of his name right Eastwood. now. Eastwood. He looks like Clint Eastwood. Playing a Mario brother. <laughs> I thought he looked like Han Solo with the serial numbers filed off. Oh yeah, like he's, he's got a little waistcoat in there. Yeah. But like, see the hat and like the hair. Because like, he, he's very Clint Eastwood. I imagine they're probably trying to draw yeah. Clint Eastwood. Specifically with him having his uh, e-cigarette robot. Yeah. Uh, he looks a bit like Clint Eastwood doing The Man With No Name. Yeah, yeah. But he's got like bright red trousers like Santa would. Yeah, he looks like, he looks like a character design from the 70s. Yeah. See the, fr- the first panel, which is a splash page panel? Yeah. Great. Love it. Pretty good. The art yeah. is good. It's not a lying cover, Michael, because the cover is, like, Robo Hunter shooting at, or, like, pulling his gun on Walter the Woobot. Well, he shoots Walter the Woobot in the head, and Walter remains shot in the head for the rest of the issue. Uh, he's not dead, though. He's, he's chipping in he's... with bits to say the whole time, but, like, he's just lying there being like, oh, no, I have been shot. I've been shot. Quipes. Uh... We should we should we should talk about Walter. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I've said saying before, when I was reading old two thousand AD that my mom had when Dread was in his like twenties, mm-hmm. uh, Walter was his like C three PO. Yeah, he was like a comedy character that was hanging around Dread's house whenever Dread went to his house. Also, Dread had a house. He had a house. I don't think you ever see Dread's house anymore. I think he sleeps at the barracks or whatever at the. Yeah, but like he he was living in a flat. He had a landlady. He had a landlady who's in this, I believe, as well. <laughs> if that's the same character. It must be, right? It, well, I think it probably is, but I don't know for yeah. sure. And and Walter was, was like his manservant mm-hmm. who was a droid. It's part of that old, like, weird 2080 stuff where, like, cops existed. Yeah. You know? like, they, didn't, they didn't hashed everything out yet. Uh, Walter is a woo-bot because he, he speaks in a comedy way where every R he says is a W. He's got a lisp. He's got a lisp. And he's a robot. 
I like him. I, I like, like him a lot. Yeah, pops up from time to time. Uh, like there, there was some special not too long ago where I think it was a regen actually, mm. where there was a, a Walter the Boobot story where he was becoming a stand-up comedian. Yeah, <laughs> managed by other longtime dread silly character Max Normal. Yeah, Max Normal. Uh, I, I just it was. I don't know. I, I feel like the silliness in Dread turns up like less regularly. I mean, like it, Dread should kind of be serious. Yeah, mostly. He's the straight man in the silly world. But there are a lot of silly things from old Dutch Dread that I, I do love quite mm-hmm. a lot, and Walter is one of them. I think it like the silliness works. See for the original stuff because it, it's it, like it's just going like that. They, they they present it like this is the world. Yeah, like he's got a robot. He's got a lisp. Like, it's just part of the silly, fun comic. When he gets shot on the first page, he says, Quipes. He does, and, like, I feel it. Like, Cripes is a silly enough thing to say in 2023, but he's he's lisping Cripes. He's a robot that is a Beano character. He very much is a Beano character. So, like, what happens in this bloody story? I think Uh, it's important to say, right, this is the, the title story like this is the this song is the cover this is the, the as you said in the hershey issue the main event this is the main event and it's the last thing in the comics the last thing you read you build up the whole prog to it yeah and i don't know if this is given too much away to just fire into this but this is a gag strip yeah it is much like i love that one azimuth one single joke it's one single joke hit all the beats like it can it, it's very good like it builds up to one joke and i think all the jokes on the way to the joke are good uh yes and I appreciate the joke. I saw the joke coming from a mile away. Oh my god, is like as soon as I started reading the comic. Yeah. Like the, the, the punchline was there. Absolutely. I, I don't think that necessarily I think that would normally take away from the punchline. But I think it I think it still works, even when you feel it coming. I think it works. I uh, didn't like it that much. I like maybe I like it more because it's the main event and it's a gang comic. Like the, the, I like it a lot less because it's the main event and it's a gag comic. See if it was like an... Cause it's, it's, Let's discuss the actual joke. Yeah. So, Walter gets shot by the robo-hunter. Um, the woman who owns Walter is like, oh, you've shot my robot, what's going on? Yeah. She also comedically, like, constantly gets Sam Slade's name wrong and is, like, calling him, like, Mr. Slut at yeah. one point. I don't think that's great, but the first thing she says, because, like he, like, he turns up and says, oh, I've got, like, a bounty for your robot. He read, like, he led a revolution in Britset. And, like, the thing that she mishears and says about that is pretty good. Uh, So, read a revolution in Britsa, and she thinks that he said, uh, read revolting hardcore in shit sit. That's the one thing that she says that I think was funny and got a laugh out of me. And then she keeps doing that one joke for the rest of it. And that's a weaker part of it. She's old. She's old and she can't hear or see very well. She's got mole man goggles. Uh, after Walter has been shot, but not killed, he's just sitting there being like, Oh, you just watched Judge Dredd will come to save me, we're such good friends. And Dredd gets a call to say, Thought you should know, a Robo Hunter has turned up, like, saying that he's gonna go after this robot that you've apparently got a connection to. It, it might even be, like, turned up at this, the place that you used to live. Yeah. Like your old address. Dredd's motor's on over there, we cut back to Walter. The old lady has just made Sam Slade a cup of tea yep. and are just sitting there waiting for Dredd, talking about how he's a robo-hunter. All that, they're talking about it and like the judges talk about robo-hunters like they're a thing, which yeah. makes me convinced that it is. It might be. But like that could just be good integration work for all yeah. I know. Well, why would you need robo-hunters in... There was a big revolution. There was a huge revolution. Yeah. Multiple, there's been multiple robot uprisings. It might have, like, spawned out of that. But, like, they didn't get rid of the robots. They're still no, about, like, but they could your, your favourite thing from that Asher story was that the robots were just dudes. I really love those dude robots. 
they might go rogue occasionally, and maybe that's why they needed them. And maybe it was more of a thing in the 70s or 80s. It absolutely could be, yeah. but also it might not be. I don't know. We don't know. It's, it's well written to the point where we can't tell. Uh, we get a bit of flashback to Dredd living with Walter. Is like, in case you didn't know, yeah, this is a historical character. Really love that shot of them on the moon. Dredd walks in, and um, the the punchline is that like it's been building up this whole time that like Dredd's coming. Oh, there's going to be such a fight. Oh, these two it's characters. The, it's the main event. Like we're selling you this comic. The, on. The, the, these two characters that are like you know so well, and they're so tough, and have never crossed paths. Uh, how's it going to go? Uh, partially spoiled by the fact that there's like one page after this point. That is because like the pacing of the story does ruin the fact because yeah. like once you get through it, you're like, oh, there's only there's only one page left. And the joke is, Dredd turns up. And he's like, Sam Slade. And like, yeah, that's me. You're like here to like bounty hunt Walter the Robot. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I'll need to see your paperwork, please. Yep. Sam Slade's like, yes, sir, here you go. Dread looks at it. And he's like, yes, this all seems in order. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye. Uh, and and that's it. And like that's that that is a joke that is constructed out of like the things that exist in Dread's character where mm-hmm. like yeah, if you did have the proper paperwork, like we were saying, I was he saying, would absolutely be fine with if it. If you're an innocent, he has no like an innocent in his eyes, no problem with you. If yeah. you filed the correct paperwork, he has no issue. If you litter, he'll beat you to death. <laughs> but because like he even gets he gets like a little bit in where like he's like he has that e cig and he's like, oh, is that nicotine? He does. He does. Yeah, call out the nicotine. There are a couple of points in this that I did quite like, but overall. Maybe it was ruined for me by me knowing Dredd too well. Because, mm. like... You knew that... I knew he was going to check his paperwork and see that everything was in order and not care. Yeah. Like, from moment one. That's that's absolutely like I say, where the story was always going to go. I think it's probably ruined because, like, if you're, if you're a fan of Dredd, you can probably see that coming. But that's the thing we like. We like, is, we like yeah. to see Dredd be a petty, petty fuck. This story needs to turn up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily in exactly this form, but like I think I've said before, my favourite thing, like the ur example of Judge Dredd in my mind is something from my mum's uh, 2080 annual mm. where um, there was a chase and a citizen like caught the, the criminal that Dredd was chasing and said, like, oh, I've placed him under a citizen's arrest, Judge. Mm. And then Judge Dredd went, citizen's arrests are a legal citizen. I'm placing you under arrest. Yes, so, absolutely. Doesn't matter if you're helping him. Doesn't matter if it's for the greater good. You have committed a crime. I'm giving you the maximum sentence. Do to the cubes. Yeah. I think it's... Fu- it, I laugh, right? I, I thought the jokes were good, good to mid to good to solid. The single... It being a single joke comic... Yeah. That was advertised as the main event, I think is funny. It's not necessarily yeah. anything, but, like, you've got that big cover... There was build-up on, like, social media being like, oh, who's Dread going to fight? It's a 2008 classic. And then, like, this is your jumping-on frog. Like, this is your, like, come-back old readers that have lapsed frog. And I guess so. I mean, like, it's just, it's too well te- telegraphed, like, what it's going to be. Because, mm. for one thing, it is Robo Hunter. Yeah. And, like, I've never read a Robo Hunter comic that isn't, like, a one-off joke thing. Yeah. Like, maybe, like we keep saying, maybe there was a time when, like, there Fine. was a serious character. Listeners, point us to a good Robo Hunter arc. But, like, oh, it's Robo Hunter, so it's going to be some nonsense. Yeah. And, like, uh, oh, they're making a big deal about how Judge Dredd's going to come and get you, so he won't. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. There's there are bits about it that I really liked. Um, oh, I should say as well, like the 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 like suck out Walter's like robot soul yeah. into a disc. They download him, um, which. 
is this the end of Walter the Robot? Like, should there be a, an in-memoriam splash page on the back of this <laughs> prog as well? I don't know. I might be more upset if Walter is dead going forward than if Hershey is. <laughs> I'm a thousand percent with you. He can't die. He's a robot. He'll just have Britsit adventures. He'll fit in perfectly in Britsit. His, his soul is in a disc, so yeah, he's not dead. It's like... a disc that looks like a toilet bowl. It's an odd... It thing. looks like the dragon radar from Dragon Ball. It really ball. does, doesn't it? Yeah. And, like, Dread calls it out as, like, something he should pass along to the text. Like, they don't do that with their robots in Mega City 1. Which, maybe maybe that's not... A, maybe that's a clue to, like, Robo Hunter not being set. In, but a couple things before we finish on this story. The flashback to year one of Judge Dread where they hung out on the moon. Mm. Young Dread, Like, he's, he's a different body type. And, like, it's a profile shot, so you can't necessarily see it. But he's not got the gnarled, no, desperate yeah. dance. He, he, does, he does definitely look younger. So that's good, like, consistency work. Yeah. And the art was good. I Uh, I liked it. The one moment, the only moment that I'll call out in this as being, like, really cool is Mm -hmm. when Dredd actually, like, walks in the door. And uh, we get a bit of Sam Slade's internal monologue, Rubo Hunter's um, internal monologue, and he's just saying, uh, there are guys you hear about, guys with a killer, uh, that's actually Walter, because he he doesn't say a killer rep, he says a killer wep. Oh, but that is Robot Hunter, he corrects himself. Oh yes, because okay. he's been listening to Walter the whole time and he, he's internalized it. Okay, that's that's also a good individual guy. Good anyway, gang. So guys with a killer rap, uh, and the day comes when you meet them face to face and you look look at them in the eye and they're no big deal. It's all mouth and no trousers. A complete disappointment. And then the next panel just dreads face. This was not one of those days. Yeah, that was that was good work. I really enjoyed that. That was cool. Um, that was a good meeting of characters. That was a good like character to character interaction, even though they didn't say anything to each other. Yeah. The other thing, Walter being dead, because I was going to say it and then I didn't. I don't know where this fits in in continuity, and if indeed it does fit in, in continuity, I don't necessarily care all that much about two canned continuity as much as I would care about like Superman continuity or whatever. It's not no for sure nothing that not something I invested in that much. I do um, care to some extent about the Judge Dredd continuity, but you can absolutely yeah. do things that are like questionable continuity. Questionable, and like I believe the little blurb at the front, the blurb box calls it out as like 22nd century or whatever. It doesn't put like a mm, specific a year. A year, so like, is it happening concurrent with Hershey being dead stuff or not? It's, it's a fun wee gag story. Uh, before we get to the rankings, you wanted to say something about the adverts at the end. The adverts in the end are a very good use of adverts because it's a jumping on thing because this is specifically calling out if you liked this issue. If you maybe want to read Helium and don't want to look at, look for comics from eight years ago. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. You can download Helium right now. The first the first part, the first book, whatever the first part of it is, for Helium, free. Helium book one. And there's a little QR code right there so you can just get it on your phone. There's no... It's, it's painless. And I I love this. Like, comics should do this all the time. Like, American comics in particular, where it's like a big long run, or like if you want them to like get follow a creator or whatever. Probably rights issues or whatever. But like, just go, like, I'll, I'll do that. I'll go read Helium and like, I'll get up to date, up to speed on it. Um, and the other ones aren't as good as that. But, because <laughs> it's just like, here's the trade paperbacks of the things. Well, there's like Feral and Foe, um, book one, and Hershey, I think. It's Hershey and all the smiley stuff. Yeah. So, like, here's everything that we've talked about. Everything we've Might actually to. be worth me getting that just to work out what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I, f- I want the mystique of Judge Smiley to, because he probably wasn't anything. Like, he's probably just a guy. It might be disappointing yeah. you know, with all of like, how big of a character he has been. His name is Smiley. Like, it's great. Mm-hmm. He's like a Mr. Man. 
But yeah, I, I just think this is a good... Because like, you get this. You get like ads where it's like, you like this thing? Jumps in it. But like specifically calling out, here's a thing you can download for free that's one of these comics. Just go do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the end of the prog, really. That's the... Fair enough. Yeah, well, uh, last rankings. week you did the rankings first. Mm-hmm. This week I'll do the rankings first. And it's quite easy for me to do because I was looking at this uh, ahead of time. Mm. And my rankings are the exact order that the comics run in the prog. Ooh. Do you want to read them out for the yeah. benefit so, of those? Number one, Judge Dredd. Yep. Number two, Feral and Foe. Number three, Helium. And number four, uh, Judge Dredd versus Robo Hunter. I feel like you're going to disagree with me on that mm. based on how, what we were saying, and I know that uh, that David from Boys from the Pod disagreed with that very strongly. Mm. Uh, not that I had revealed my rankings before this point, I didn't, but... Kept uh, them close to I, your chest. I don't think you like Poison very much. <sighs> it's not bad. From what we're talking. I, 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 we, mm. We've yeah. already discussed, I'll just say like my reasons. I I just like Judge Dredd. I thought it was like a good... like It, it got me excited for where the story was going to go. Mm. Uh, I liked the whole bit about uh, Judge Dredd really respecting Hershey, actually, um, and you know the art was good, and the, uh, just, uh, it just it just caught me. Feral and Foe was overall maybe actually a better comic than this Judge Dredd, mm. but a lot of the time was taken up by hey readers who haven't read this before or have forgotten here's what the thing is, mm. and that was well done and I think necessary, but like it's not the most exciting comic fair, mm. so I'd place it very slightly below the Judge Dredd story. Uh, Helium, I thought the whole bit about, like, murdering a bunch of children, uh, like, made me feel a little bit squicky, um, mm. uh, but... But it was, like, the panel is, is the it panel. Is the, is the murder panel, yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that the first time through. In the blurb. Um, but, you know, I still thought it was very good, you know, like we've said before, just because I'm ranking something in the, the, the lower half doesn't mean mm. I thought it was bad. This is tongue-in-cheek, we're not. Yeah. Like... Uh, I would say I would give... Dread versus Robo Hunter, a very low score though. Mm. Like I, I didn't. It didn't do anything for me. There was good gags. Yeah. There was good gags. I mean, so you're you're the order that it came in. I would go probably Feral and Foe. Valid, I think. Feral and Foe, I thought was a very good. Like it was the best jumping on segment of the prog. Mm-hmm. Like it was. Here's what we are. Here's what we do visually. Yeah. And here's what we're gonna do. And, yeah. And I enjoyed the dialogue. I enjoyed. Can't argue with that at all. Enjoyed um, the setup. Um, I would go Dread after that, I believe. Okay. Dread after that. I don't think it was bad, and I liked the art a lot. Uh, I just didn't necessarily feel personally the need or the connection. You, you talk me around with your talk about him being like autistic and not showing that he liked Hershey, <laughs> but I didn't. Going from that Hershey to that, I didn't feel the need for the Dread. But mm-hmm. I understand it completely, and I think it's a smart follow up to that story and for new readers, and it's good. I just probably sounded a lot. I did say a lot of negative things, yeah. but I don't have malice in my heart for it or anything. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then um, Helium, which I'm very excited to see do like airship things, mm. and I think it was a it was a fun like revolutionary start to like, the comic and to, like murdering of it had murdering of children. In it. How can you? <laughs> and then I would agree that Robo Hunter was the probably the weakest. The weakest. Thing. Uh, that's what I believe David from Boys from the Pod put as his number one. Ooh, well, I mean. <laughs> He he's he's just getting that throw power. He's getting freshly. his first dose. His first dose of the of petty like Arnold Rimmer dread checking people's papers. Like I, that can be overwhelming, you know. Like I mean, like if this was my first prog going into, I'd be like, oh my god, he checked his papers. This is amazing. <laughs> Maybe so. This is everything I want from a comic. We we talked about the line cover. 
Yeah, and I want to potentially float a new topic to you. Does the cover story deserve to be the cover story? Uh, and we can do it in the rankings, because yeah, I feel like uh, it's related. Uh, yes, I think so, because mm. it's a one-off. It's not going to get another chance at it. Uh, it, it helps sell the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is the main event. It is the reason why some people might be picking up this comic. I think that you could make a good argument for any of the stories getting the cover Helium back after eight years. Eight back after eight years. Yeah. Feral Info back after not eight years, but still like a thing you might be into that's back. You could have a sad picture of Dread mourning the statue of Hershey. Absolutely. Recently dead Hershey. I, maybe not a good feature for this issue, but I bet there'll be progs who are like, that. Why, why did this get the cover when like this thing happened in the comic? And Yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. We'll do that going mm-hmm. forward. Um, we but, should call out our, our various people that made yes, this possible. absolutely. Uh, we now, since the last recording, have actually put out podcasts. Yes. Uh, I think only one so far. Like, there's there's another one in development. At the time. We have many wheels spinning. And uh, I have been really quite touched by how much people have been helping us. So a huge thank you to Callum, who has been our editor, Editor Callum. Editor Callum. Uh, you've really done uh, great work in making this an actual show. Yep. Uh, also, huge thanks to to Jessica, who has designed the uh, the logo for Prog's Log. That's Jessica Kate. Jessica fine Kate, art. Fine art. Um, go and check out her stuff, please, because mm-hmm. uh, I really like our logo. I think she's done a really good job. It's a good logo. You're probably looking at it now. Also, thank you to uh, to to David from Boys from the Pod. Uh, he's not only been our co-host on Boys from the Pod, which is our other podcast that you should also go and listen to. Should be out now, I think. I believe it's out now. Yeah. Um, but he's not only done that, but he's basically been the sort of production manager for the whole thing, set up our like actually getting the podcast onto platforms and like your YouTube channel, and he's our pod master. Yeah. And, of course, huge thank you to the Colton Hove School of Psychic Defense for uh, providing the Prog Slog jing- jingle. And also the music for Boys from the Pod. Yes. So, uh, I'm incredibly grateful. It's been a good response. It's been uh, very heartwarming. I'm also incredibly grateful to the still quite few, but like more than I was expecting people that have checked out the podcast already. Yeah. There's been, like, what was it, 50? About 50 views last uh, yeah. check-in. Like, in- incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> And if you want to like and subscribe to us, that would help. But yep. Isn't necessarily necessary. We are, I believe, now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I will agree with you. We are. We have a Twitter, uh, Progslog. Uh, is it just called Progslog? Just called Progslog uh, on Progslog. the Twitter. You, you find it on the X. We've got a YouTube channel called Progslog. We've got our podcasts up there as YouTube videos. And um, I can't remember if there's anything else that I've got to say. No, that sounds about right. We'll probably find it and have to fix it in post, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, thank you so much, and, uh, and and have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. See you next week.